Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is my great pleasure to join you on this Sunday of a long weekend, at least it's a long weekend here in Victoria. I hope it's a long weekend wherever you may be listening around Australia and in fact around the world. Big shout out to our listeners in uh, Europe and North America and South America and Asia as well. India, it turns out, is one of uh, the top five places around the world that listens to The Week on Wednesday. There you go. I bet you didn't know that. So diving straight into it today because it has been another another big week. Firstly, I just want to thank everybody who did jump online after Wednesday's episode and signed the petition to help save Medicare. Uh, with the great support of our uh, sponsors, Australian Unions, uh, we're very, very pleased to be pushing this campaign. The Liberal government has announced over 900 changes to how Medicare will be paying for very important treatments and surgeries, everything from general surgery to vascular services, that's removing things like varicose veins, to general practitioners, senior GP, orthopedic surgery, that's bone surgery, and cardiosurgical services are all going to be changed on July 1. The AMA has slammed this approach. The Labor Party has accused the Morrison government of cutting Medicare. Medical experts are warning these changes will increase the out-of-pocket expenses for average, everyday Australians, and some people will be left up to $10,000 worse off as a result. This is the second time there's been a big change like this. And the AMA said last time when they, Lib Morrison, well, the Liberal government removed 10 surgical procedures uh, that there were significant problems. People were left massively out of pocket. There were delays. And on something like surgical uh, procedures on your spine, you certainly don't want that to be happening. Well, we need to stop the Liberal government from wrecking Medicare. And you can help. Every single Australian can get involved in this. What we need you to do is go to www.australianunions.org.au forward slash Medicare. That's all lowercase. Wow, capital W, capital O, capital W for week on Wednesday. That's australianunions.org.au forward slash Medicare. Wow. Sign the petition, share the petition. Let's make it really clear to the Morrison government we're not going to accept it. Because let me tell you, folks, there are some clear, clear road signs that we should all be very, very worried about. And I talk, of course, about the Biloela family and the medical treatment that they've received at the hands of the Morrison government. We talked about the situation with the Biloela family on Wednesday. There have been developments since then, and we're going to cover those off now. There has been reports that little Fanica has had four of her teeth removed due to the malnourishment and medical mistreatment she has suffered while in arbitrary detention. The situation has got so bad for the Morrison government now that their abuse of the Biloela family has resulted in three of their own MPs jumping ship and suggesting that the family should be allowed to return home to Bilo. The Washington Times has joined the international community's pressure on the Morrison government, saying that this is a disgrace, saying that this needs to be addressed. Labor Party MPs all around the country have been writing to the minister, Karen Andrews, and there has been a concerted social media campaign against Karen or directed at Karen, uh, so much so that people like Van have had to say there are some good Karens out there. And a shout out 
to our good friend Karen Batt, the Secretary of the State Public Sector Workers Union, both in Victoria and around the country. It's important that we keep the pressure on. The government doesn't really know what to do with itself here. Nikki Sava went on Insiders today and said that clearly allowing this family, two of whom were born here, to stay here is not going to suddenly see a return to purple smuggling and that there are many other mechanisms that can be used that should be used to stop that awful trade. Trade in human beings is unacceptable at any time and we must do everything we can to stop it. But that does not include that does not include the dehumanization of human beings because surely the point of stopping the trade in human beings is an acknowledgement of their humanity. And once we cross that line, cross that threshold, where we say we will ignore that humanity in order to stop this, we truly have failed in our primary goal. So hopefully, hopefully the family will be allowed to return home to be like. At the very least, hopefully they will be released somewhere where they can live their lives peacefully, happily, as they were before, as part of a community. The children go to school receiving proper nourishment, proper education, and the parents working hard, making friends and contributing to their community. We look forward to that day. And we look forward to Australia abandoning these sorts of policies that allow this sort of inhumanity to happen in the first place. This week also has seen the G7 meet. For those who don't know, the G7 is the seven largest economies in the world, uh, Western economies really. Um, China is not usually uh, invited, does not usually participate, but there is usually a series of multilateral, bilateral, trilateral. You pick the number and they'll have that many people in a room and call it a lateral or something, but there's lots of meetings, lots of discussion. Climate change is always a big part of the Australian media's focus for these meetings. Scott Morrison has been invited. He is an invited guest. He's not. We're not one of the G7 nations, but we have been invited a number of times in a row now. And, of course, we always like to have a big focus on the climate change element. It's a point of difference in Australia's policy to many of the other G7 nations, a negative point of difference, of course. But it's interesting that the G7 is also looking very, very much at international tax policy. This is another point of difference between Scott Morrison and the rest of the world. Scott Morrison continues to believe in a trickle-down tax minimisation for corporations approach. Whereas the rest of the world, the rest of the G7, are starting to see that this is, in fact, not a sustainable way to grow prosperity for our people, but is instead seeing a massive transfer of wealth to the already wealthy. Now, the media in Australia hasn't had much focus on this element of the G7's discussions, primarily because it's so easy to embarrass Scott Morrison when it comes to climate change. The man is so far out of step with the rest of the world, he continues to use it as a political wedge domestically, whereas most of the G7 countries have realised that's not an effective political tool and also doesn't lead to any kind of sustained economic or environmental change. And in fact, when Biden hears climate change, he hears jobs. And that's what we need to hear here in Australia as well. So hopefully the G7, more will come from the G7 than just the photo op that Morrison has managed to manufacture for himself at a Commonwealth war grave site. Commonwealth war graves are 
graves of Australian servicemen and women around the world that are maintained by Australia's contributions to the Commonwealth. And they are indeed a lovely and poignant place to go. It's important to remember the sacrifices of our Commonwealth servicemen and women. However, Scott Morrison managed to manufacture this photo op at the same time as stories were coming out that Joe Biden had refused to have a private one-on-one meeting with Scott Morrison. And when you consider that Scott Morrison attended a Trump rally with his good friend uh, Anthony Pratt at a Pratt facility in the US during the US presidential campaigns, it's hardly surprising that Joe Biden doesn't want to spend an awful lot of time with Scott Morrison, just at the same time as Scott Morrison himself is now fighting against accusations and allegations of his close connections to QAnon and QAnon people. And I'm sure we'll all be tuning in to see the revised version of the Four Corners story on Monday. There's no doubt in my mind that there are questions still to be answered when it comes to QAnon and its influence in Australia and its influence over the Morrison government. But there are many, many days, many, many months of exploration on this issue that we don't have time for today. I want to do a quick IR update because there's been a lot going on in the world of work over the last week and a lot still to come in the week ahead. So the ACTU has lodged a claim for four days paid vaccination leave for frontline health, aged and disability care workers. This, of course, has already been poo-pooed by business and the Morrison government. It comes at the same time as a report shows 57% of regional families and 41% of families in the city are struggling to find childcare. This is in part because childcare work is so badly paid. Despite the fact that there's such high demand, there's not a great deal of supply of workers because childcare workers are effectively among the lowest paid workforce in Australia. This despite despite the demand. It makes you question once again the supply-demand trickle-down economic theory that that they try and apply to the workforce. Frankly, wages have not gone up in childcare, certainly not to the extent you would expect when half the people looking for that service can't find someone to provide it, and certainly not given that the requirements, the educational and training requirements, are not so onerous as to prevent people from participating. So what's the missing factor? Well, the United Workers Union, who represents workers in the space, made it very clear. The pay is appalling. The pay is appalling. And frankly, friends, it could get worse. It could get worse. The minimum wage decision is due soon, probably in the next week to 10 days. And we've seen all of the business lobby groups come out and demand a real pay cut for workers like childcare workers who rely on minimum award wages. They've also suggested that retail workers, even those who work at places like Coles and Woolworths, who have had massive increases in sales and profit during the pandemic, should also suffer from a cut. This is all said and done, being driven in part by the Morrison government formula for wages. Previously, you might remember, they had a cap on public sector wages because public sector wages, being such a large part of the economy, can overall lift economic wages. Well, what Morrison did was say that this leading indicator of wage growth will be turned into a trailing indicator. 
And that is to say, he removed the cap, but pegged public sector wages to an average private sector increase. So while private sector wages were already below public sector wages, which were already at record low levels, they've now fallen even further. This is a huge problem, a huge problem in an economy crying out for wage growth. At the same time, we're seeing 828,000 Australians working a second job. The pandemic smashed a lot of industries. It made things very hard for millions of Australians. The Morrison government's mishandling, sending millions of people to the dole queue overnight also made things harder. Most of the jobs that have re been recovered since then have been part-time, casual, and in many cases are forming a second job. So now you have 828,000 Australians reliant on a second job just to pay the bills. One wonders what it will take for a Commonwealth government in Australia to take real action to drive up wages, to provide job security, to provide bargaining power, to give working people in this country what we really need, and that is a decent living wage that goes up as our cost of living goes up. Now, I just also want to quickly, before we go, because we've covered a lot of ground today and it's already nearly 14 minutes, say this sitting week of Parliament, which will start on the 15th, and we'll cover more of the sitting week, obviously, on the week on Wednesday. Do tune in to hear Van and I talk about that on Wednesday afternoon. But there will be some legislation looking to gag charities. The Morrison government is unhappy that charities are critical of their position. They're unhappy that the ABC is critical of their position, that workers are critical of their position, that doctors are critical of their position. It seems like most people who are impacted are critical of the Morrison government. And what, of course, what the Morrison government likes to do is silence its critics. So we'll be focusing on silencing charities in the coming parliamentary sitting. So do look forward to that debate. I also want to give a big shout out to the tens of thousands of Victorians who not only had to deal with the end of lockdown this week, but who've also had floods, storm damage, power outages, phone outages, internet outages. Uh, we ourselves did have uh, a day without any power, without any phone connection. Um, we were very fortunate. We didn't suffer any significant damage. Uh, but I do want to thank all of the SES volunteers, the fire brigade workers, the CFA volunteers, the AMBOs, the uh, local council workers, uh, all of the uh, ETU members, the lines people who are up there fixing those, those power, and all of the comms technicians as well who've got us reconnected again. Hugely, hugely damaging storms, hugely dangerous. Uh, a couple of Victorians have lost their lives, uh, and we do hope that everyone will stay safe, uh, and hopefully we will be able to clean up and come back better than ever in Victoria. So remember, be kind to yourself and to each other. Bye.